Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, low. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In the center of the universe, on the planet Eternia. Lord's Castle Grayskull, ancient fortress of mystery, its power sought by the dark forces of Snake Mountain, sanctuary of sin and sorrow, ruled by the demon Skeletor and his evil acolytes, and the only thing that stands in their way is Prince Adam, who defends the secrets of Castle Grayskull as He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Only four others share this secret, Guardians of Greyskull All, amidst an army of the Honorable, committed to guarding Castle Greyskull from the havoc of destruction. For those who control Greyskull control the power, the power to be masters of the universe! Hello, this is Optimus Solo, and welcome to the 126th chapter in our Powers of Grayskull series. With me for this journey, as he has been for the other 125 chapters, is TFG1 Mike. Hello. This wasn't the plan. You screwed up the plan, man. You definitely changed the plan. That is true. And today we are bringing you a very special episode. And because of that, we thought it would be fitting to bring back a very special guest. So with us, like he was in episode 125, crossing over from the planet of Cybertron once again, none other than Steve Megatron. Hello. Hello. And today we have the privilege of bringing you another very special look at the new Netflix series from Kevin Smith, Masters of the Universe Revelation. Last episode, we gave you a sneak peek, spoiler-free discussion of the series. But now that the series has been released and you've had the chance to watch it, we are finally free to spoil the heck out of it. So you have been warned. If you have not yet seen the series, please go watch it first, then come back so you can enjoy an unfiltered discussion on all things Revelation. You cannot get mad at us anymore for spoiling this. So we hope you're ready, because it's time to go back to eternity. Spoilers. All right, so it is time to spoil Revelation. You've all seen it. We don't have to hide anything. We can talk about everything that happens, goes on, the the ups and the downs, the deaths and everything else. So uh, let's get right into it. I'm going to try to do this somewhat in order um, of what we kind of are revealed through these revelations as they happen. So the first major thing that we get to see is Tila being promoted to Man-at-Arms. Um and this is where people freak out and they're saying we're changing He-Man and we're making Tila a main character and blah, blah, blah. This is going to be Tila and the Masters of the Universe, not He-Man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mike, what did you think? They are taking her on a journey. Like, this is not Filmation Tila. This is not 2002 Tila. Better than both. There, there are aspects of those, like her uh, friendship maybe future relationship with Adam, whatever there, there are hints there and everything, but this is not the old school stuff. This is taking her characters, her character traits and her character's journey. That's supposed to happen and putting her on a path. And it's, it's no different though, in a way than what they did Mike with filmation. When they did go through Tila's backstory, they mm-hmm. did hint at things yep. about her relationships and her family and stuff like yep. that. This is in a way, no different than that, except yeah. for they happen to promote her to man at arms. But guess what guys, as life happens, people age, things happen. 
people quit their jobs, people retire, people get promoted, people do new things. So like this isn't changing anything. It's just a progression. So it's and it's logical. It's a continuation of the story. It's a logical progression. Who else would take over for Man at Arms besides the number two person to Man at Arms, which has always been Tila? I think the I think the difference is is that we always assumed or I personally always assumed that Man at Arms was his code name, not his position. Like we've it's always been said that he's kind of the military leader of for you know for Randor and, and all of that and everything else. And I think that people on the internet are saying, oh my god, she's now gonna be blah 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 blah. And there are pl- like chief people executive officers, there are plenty of female chief executive officers out there that have nothing to do with the fact that they're a woman. It's, yeah, it's a knee-jerk reaction nowadays. Anytime you take a character that was male before and now make it a female, everyone's like, oh, you're just trying some liberal bullshit and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, um, I don't think it's anything to do with that. I think it's just she was the natural choice to take over for him, and that's where this story needed to go. Steve, what did you think of her kind of taking on this new role and kind of being a central figure to this whole series? I honestly didn't mind it. Um I always kind of, I mean, I didn't see that much of it in the past, but I didn't feel like her character had all that much going on anyway. And right. so it kind of gives her more of a, a third dimension than what we've gotten to this point. And yeah, before she's and, always more cardboard. So let's add yeah, some layers to her. Yeah. And, and I mean, for the fact that one, um, he man's always been the center, you know, him, mm. Orko, and sort you know sorceress and man at arms i mean that's pretty much it i mean them and cringer and yeah so i mean right. to to flesh out everybody else it, it was really different <laughs> absolutely i don't think it was bad though and, I, and i'm like with most things i'm gonna go in with an open mind and let me watch it and see what happens and i'll judge it after the fact but i had no problem with that at the beginning um, you know, man at arms is a term that's existed for a long time. Uh, so it is a title, but I can see how some people thought that was the character's name instead of not realizing it was Duncan, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I get that. But if, if that wasn't enough of a shock in the first episode, let's get to the main reveal, the main shock, which is something that's always been a part of filmation and, you know, all of He-Man's stories is that only select people know He-Man's identity. It's the same thing in She-Ra. Only select people know She-Ra's identity. So, you know, there was there was a very small-knit central group that knew He-Man's secret, and there was all kinds of ways that they hinted at this throughout filmation. Like, what if we put He-Man in this situation? How is he going to not reveal his secret? Or what if we do this? And what if we, you know, capture Adam and then there's no way for He-Man to be a part of this episode? They, they hinted at it all the time, Mike, you know, through filmation. This, is, this is what I was talking about last episode, specifically with Marlena. I love what they did because... If you remember, and I know you know this, but if people go back and watch the 2002 Mike Young Productions series, Marlena knows in the middle, like that whole episode with her being stranded in the forest and her having to be rescued by Cringer and Randor, uh, and Cringer knows these forests and everything else, mm-hmm. she figures it out. So by the end of, even though it didn't technically get an ending, by the end of 2002, we already know that Marlena in the background knows. Right. And I love that she already knew. Yeah, so basically after Filmation teased it probably a hundred times of, of are they going to figure out He-Man's secret, we finally put He-Man in a situation that he cannot avoid. He has to reveal his secret. So Tila finally learns that He-Man and Adam are one and the same. Not only does Tila learn this, King Randor learns this for the first time, etc. So, uh, Steve, what do you think of them finally breaking that secret uh, right off the bat here, first episode, and also some of the reactions, whether it be Tila's reactions, the King and Queen's reactions, did you think those were justified, or what was your reaction to those? Oh, I definitely think it was justified. They, they were betrayed. I mean, <laughs> they, or they felt that way, because it had been this secret except for these select few that were close to them too. And they just didn't tell anybody. And so I, yeah, I mean, I could see where their reactions were legitimate and where they would be upset by it. Yeah. I can see them being upset, being thrown off. Mike, do you think it was warranted to, you know, basically banish Duncan and Orko and just fly off the handle like the King did? Or what was your reaction to that? I 
have the power. I have to say, and I know everybody, everybody in this room is going to groan and do an eye roll when I say this. I do not like, and I meant to mention this last episode, I do not like Oswald, a.k.a. Batman the Brave and the Bold, as King Randor's voice. Because his reaction, the way he reacted, and the anger that he has, it, like... I felt like he should have, like, he may not have had known, known like Marlena knew, but I think he should have had a better reaction. I don't think he should have banished them. Being upset with somebody is more than fine. You give them some time to relax and maybe come back and have a conversation. But just, I don't like the reaction of, of yeah, Randor. I, I didn't like it either, but only because I felt like it went from zero to a hundred really fast. <laughs> but at the same time, he is reacting also to the fact that his son is dead. So I mean, see, that's <laughs> that's the problem, right? That's that's the biggest problem. I feel like that's the the icing on the cake that makes it right. so that he's so like that's why everybody's really betrayed is because. Not only did they find out he's He-Man, but that he died. <laughs> right. So let's get in right to that then. Like, Skeletor and He-Man die in, like, the introductory to the series. Where are we? This is the heart of the castle, where the Council of Elders buried the secrets of Grayskull. All the magic that flows through Eternia starts here. And it's going to be all mine. Let this be a final battle. Obviously, it's a cartoon, and there's different ways that you know some stuff's not always finalized or whatever. But mm-hmm. Steve, what did you think when they just immediately take the main two characters and and get rid of them? I was genuinely shocked, uh, especially <laughs> with how uh, Skeletor staged it so that He Man would purposely stab him. Yeah, and, I was like, and, how did that work? <laughs> and and unlock the um whatever it was yeah the the chamber of magic uh, mm-hmm. as it were uh, this this particular plot point though does come back to roost in the other netflix series we'll talk about later uh right. be- because there's a scene where they do something very similar uh <laughs> not not unlocking something but it's just it, oh, i yeah, know that's I, true there's um, a lot of parallels between the two that i noticed <laughs> yeah I, I noticed it too um but yeah i mean that aside i I thought it was rather convenient, but I also was kind of shocked that they did that. And then all of a sudden there's this big boom and then there's nothing. <laughs> right. And here's the thing. The the internet, this is where they lose their mind, right? Because they've been talking all this crap for months now about this better not be a Tila story. He-Man better be the main thing, blah, 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 blah. And then in the first episode, we promote Tila and we kill off He-Man. So they're going to lose their minds, right, Mike? <laughs> yes, they are. And again, as I watched this, I was like, okay, that makes sense. You need to kill off He-Man in order to get the emotional resonance from Marlena and Randor and everybody else. You need to send Tila on a journey of, oh, I'm just going to say this because I know they won't. Fuck magic. Like, seriously, that's what she's all about, the technology. She doesn't give a shit about magic. After After this happens... Where they take her on her journey, she basically goes off everywhere right. else other than staying in Eternia and protecting the kingdom. Of course, what do you have to protect the kingdom from? Because Skeletor is dead, supposedly. We'll get into that. We'll get yeah, into no, no, no. I, 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 I know, but I'm saying, like you said, they kill He-Man, they kill Skeletor, they promote Tila. I think it worked well for the story that is told so far in these first five episodes. Yeah. Because I it think gives you- her a character path. It gives her a way of, I have so much emotion this way that I'm going to go like perfect example for me personally podcast. I listen to the radiant black podcast is about Kyle Higgins's ongoing series at image comics called radiant black. Well, the hosts of that lovely podcast in their episode, fourth episode, they mentioned the other, another comic book that, influences and whatever else they and they mention invincible and they mention invincible in this podcast in this 40 minute podcast episode like 20 times and i'm like oh i should take a drink every time they mention it 
for me personally, if someone says, oh, 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 watch, watch, watch. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It makes me want to go the other way. Obviously, this is a little different because, hello, He-Man and Adam are dead and Skeletor, to a lesser extent, is dead. And she needs to go on her path. So they're giving her a path to go on, which is much better than just saying, oh, Tila, go do the dishes. Well, and here's the thing, like, okay, so we have this main secret that have been, has been kept for decades and all these different TV episodes, et cetera. Nobody knows, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Clark Kent, Superman and all this stuff. So we don't know Prince Adam's He-Man. And the main people that don't know, if we look at it, are the, the people that don't know for the most part, at least on the good side, are, are like Steve said, tertiary characters. They're like side characters. Like, yes, King Randor is involved here and there, but he's not a main character, right? The majority of the good characters, the main ones, already know his secret. Orko, you know, Battlecat slash Cringer, um, Man at Arms, Sorceress, they all already know. Mm-hmm. So who's the most important character that we have that doesn't know the secret? It's Tila. Yeah. There, there's no other person that can be, that it could have had the same emotional resonance with outside of Tila. The only other main person that doesn't know the secret is Skeletor and he is part of the disappearing act here. So, you know what I mean? So, so he's not going to have an emotional reaction. Plus he's on the opposite side. So the only person mm-hmm. on Adam slash he side that this works with is Tila. It had to be Tila. Yeah, absolutely. So, I agree. I mean, it, what are they going to do? Bring cousin Ed Weiner in here or something? Right. So basically from that point on, we get this whole um, story that's basically about magic and no magic because the magic has been taken out of Eternia. It's causing all kinds of chaos. You know, Orko, Evelyn are having reactions. Sorceress is having reactions to it, etc. Um, and we have a little bit of a technology versus magic that we'll get to. So we've kind of fast forward a little bit to Tila and her friend Andra, um, who are going to be like the main two friends going through this journey, I guess. And uh, in a way, it's a new character, and that usually bothers me, but I get that this, in this way, it doesn't because Tila's trying to get away from all the characters that we know. So it makes sense that she would run into somebody and make a friend with that she doesn't know. Although I still think this could possibly be the daughter of Man at Arms' best friend in the Filmation series, but. That's just speculation and me trying to be a fanboy, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but obviously they're going on this journey. They're, they're collecting and uh, they do, so, they do a cool thing here because they start doing like the, the MacGuffin of the week type stuff. Mm-hmm. They, they pay homage to the fact that in the filmation series, almost every episode was trying to get the amulet of this or the crystal of this or the blah, blah, blah of that. So they go on these little missions to get goblets and different stuff. I thought that was funny. It was kind of a neat way to work that in, but also be like, that's not what this is about. We're not going to spend a whole episode on this we're just kind of introducing the fact that we're doing this magic storyline um so i'll let you guys react to that but also then react to the cult of snake mountain because that's where we go next basically is this snake mountain without skeletor which has now become triclops as the cult leader for tech Mm -hmm. this is the one part that is almost too bizarre for me (laughs) (laughs) it was super creepy for sure this is creepy as heck, and like he's like brainwashed some of the evil warriors, not all of them, but he has Trapjaw there, um, and he has some. There's like an evil warrior that I don't even know who that was. Like, Mike, did you know who like the the um, random evil warrior that explodes is? I don't know who that was. No, I don't. I think they just created that character for this up for this thing. But uh, what did you guys, Mike? What did you think of Triclops's cult, and was it? Did it fit for you, or how did you react to that? First of all, <laughs> again, it's going in the whole thing of the ma- magic versus technology thing and, and everything else, uh, which is fine. They can do that. I did not at all. Like It says it's Henry Rollins as the voice of Triclops. Of Triclops. I did not hear. I when I think of Henry Rollins, I think of all the movies he's been in, all of the wacky characters he's been. Uh, specifically, Steve, you may or may not remember or like this. Nineteen ninety four is the chase with Charlie Sheen. He was one of the cops in that movie, and his voice resonates. I almost forgot that he was the voice of Triclops because it didn't sound like him to me. Yeah, he's done a, a decent amount of voice work, so I think he's fairly good at, at kind of doing different characters. You're not a champion. 
just his cheerleader. So, so I, I didn't necessarily pick up that it was him either, like you. But then when I saw it, I was like, okay, I kind of get it. But yeah, I didn't have a problem with him as a voice. Um, it was a weird thing they did with his character. Yeah. Not all about the cult of Snake Mountain. It was almost too weird for me. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to stay on for this ride for a second. But luckily, they don't stick with it too long. I guess it's good to show that something's happening at Snake Mountain without Skeletor. Yeah. And kind of what's what that is. But from there, we kind of go to uh, the main juxt of, of the rest of the series, which is uh, the hero's journey. Almost they're going to like basically build up a, a squad or, you know, a, a party to go on this adventure where we're basically trying to recover the two halves of the sword. Yes, the power sword has broken into two halves. Spoiler. This is what we're doing here. Um, and half of it is in Subternia and half of it is in Preternia, Heaven and Hell. Um, and we are going to assemble a group to go get that. The spoiler part or the interesting part there is that Evil Lynn is going to align with the good people, um, the heroes, as they go through that. So, Steve, what did you think of like the jicks of the rest of it where we're trying to recover these two halves of the sword to see if we can save the magic? I, I thought that the, the journey was kind of cool because it kind of took you on that almost Lord of the Rings type mm-hmm. vibe of, you know, yeah, they, they had some opposing forces and people coming along the way to help. I mean, you and then, of course, you know, you get multiple deaths along the way right. of main characters that you would have never thought would have died. Yeah, um, and I have a rundown that we're going to react to each one of those in yeah. a second. Um, and it was just, it was kind of cool seeing, you know, sorcerers helping evil in and then... Um, Cranger you know, also giving, helping evil in at the, in that section. Yeah, I mean, and and so they're they're guiding Tila and uh, her sidekick along the way, and it's I don't I don't know I just I, I thought it was kind of cool just sending them on this quest and to to rebuild the two halves of the sword. Mike, what did you think about like that hero's quest type thing that we're going on? I liked it. I thought it was interesting. Um, I wish that. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Again, this is going to the voice acting, and I know there's nothing we can do about it now. But I really wish it was Tara Strong as Tila because you would have Tara Strong as Tila, Pre Summer as Andra, and they could team up again like they used to do in yeah. various other animated series. But anyway, I love this this quest where everybody has to team up, like Evelyn and Orko teaming up. Who would have ever thought of that? Like, but that is awesome. I love that. I think it's interesting. I love the way it is written, I love the way the writing basically says, okay, He-Man's gone, Skeletor, quote, gone. We need to work together to save the planet. Right. So I like that. And I was trying to find some of the writers, but because we're doing this before the show actually gets released, I don't remember because I don't have the screenshots who the writing staff was for this, but I love how it's written because Kevin Smith is the showrunner. He's the one that puts the ideas together or brings the people together that have the ideas Mm -hmm. for it. So I really want to praise the writing. Uh, It is very well done. It like that whole episode where they're in Subternia and they have to face Scareglow and they have to each go off in this like two by, you know, Two by twos, and I keep having to tell the tell the rabbits only two, only two. You know the the whole adventure thing with the questing. I thought that was very well done. I think they did a good job of balancing when the whole group was together, and then also splitting them up at times so mm-hmm. we can get some characterization and some relationship building. Yep. Um, sometimes they do that too much in a show or a movie where they're split up the whole time and you never get them teamed up. And I think they had both in this, which helps. Um, so along the way, we pick up. Um, so we have Evelyn, we have obviously Tila and and Andra. Um, we have them pick up uh, Man at Arms in a way, um, Orko, Beast Man. 
um, Roboto, those are the main people that are along for the, I don't think I missed anybody. Those are the main people along for this journey. Um, and yeah. we go to hell first and then we go to heaven. So we go to Subternia first and then Preternia. Um, before we get into the character deaths, which Steve brought up, which we're going to run down here in a second, just one last thing before that. Mike, they also reveal Grayskull's real appearance. So to me, this was a genius move. Um, because something that I was always thrown off during the series was like, why does Grayskull look like it does? Why is it so, if it's so important and it's such a magical place and this, that, and the other, why does it look so mm-hmm. old, so run down, so evil in a way? It almost has a sinister look to it. And they reveal that that's all a disguise. It's all a ruse. It's a mirage that, uh, they're doing to try to keep it hidden and unassuming. So what did you think of that reveal? Yeah, I thought that was great because, again, they're working like, as we said last episode, yes, it is trying to pay homage to filmation. But where they also are working from is 2002 because they're hiding the the Temple of Wisdom or Council, whatever, with the Council of Elders kind of thing. So they're working everything in Mm -hmm. to give it all to us. And I thought that finally we actually have a, an explanation. I mean, the explanation we were given in 2002 was more than fine. Whatever. I didn't necessarily need to know where the giant castle came from. But because they are trying to not only get us, they are also trying to reel in new viewers to the franchise. I love that they called back to the Temple of Wisdom. I thought that was great. That a great spell is essentially just a disguise. Steve, what did you think of the two images of Grayskull? Oh, it, it, uh, I was always curious why it looked like a dump mm-hmm. and just this terrifying place. And then to see it in its pure glory there, I, I was like, oh, so that's what we're supposed to be seeing. <laughs> so we're going to go through all the deaths, and then I'm going to um, talk about some characters that show up that we didn't want to spoil in the first part of this. So we'll get into some characters that that do appear how the ending goes and kind of the cliffhanger it leaves us on. And then we have a couple of other little things towards the end to kind of put, put a bow on it. So, um, man, there's some stakes in this series. Characters do die. It's like Transformers, the movie all over again. Um, so legit people are dying here. And there was even some people that I thought were dying that apparently didn't, but let's <laughs> go down the line here. Um, man, they, they tease us. They give us Moss, man. They give us Alan Oppenheimer and then they immediately kill him. I was like, no, I want more Alan Oppenheimer. Luckily, we do get him in heaven. But, um, Mike, what did you think of them burning Mossman alive? You defile the heart of Grayskull with your very presence. Leave this place and never return. That's one way to go. I mean, you Jesus. know, it's... Uh, <laughs> That would have been the only way you could have killed Moss Man. Mm, smells like pine. You can't tend the garden without pulling a few weeds. Right, so it's it, so, brutal. So it, you know, it it kind of makes sense. Uh, again, as I mentioned last episode, I'll mention it here with the voice cast. You have Alan Flippin Oppenheimer. I know he only plays one role. He could have played at least two. But it's just one of those things where... I love that they made him Moss Man, but like you said, the fact that they kill him is like, oh boy. It's like I, it's like the movie where you get like that cameo where you're like, oh, sh- great, this guy shows up and you know that they're only going to have one line because that's all they were coming oh, out of retirement for or whatever. Per- perfect example is, even though he didn't have any lines, it's like you know Optimus Prime running thrust over with his truck in the movie going to face Megatron. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, it was, that was, ooh, burn, burned alive. That was like the first time where you're like, oh, oh, I mean, obviously we do have He-Man and Skeletor dying right off the bat, but then... Obviously, like, but some of these deaths are pretty gruesome well well in he-man and skeletor dying right off the bat you're like well that's probably going to come back in some way shape or form i'm not convinced that they're 100 percent dead when right. Mossman gets killed it's like no he's dead like there's <laughs> no like yeah. that's it for him and we um just to run down the rest and then get your guys group reaction so we had he-man skeletor kind of die uh Mossman dead dead Roboto dead dead <laughs> and orko dead and buried so um steve 
What were you thinking as they're just killing off characters left and right? I, I was definitely going, well, no one is safe. <laughs> uh, but I but I did have that, that uh, feeling that they weren't going to keep Skeletor and He-Man gone uh, right. for very long. I mean, I figured that they would keep them as, uh, gone as long as they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I always had the suspicion that they were going to uh, um, bring them back. Right. The, yeah, it's kind of odd, too. Like... Th- I get Mossman and Roboto because there's a lot of masters and, you know, they can go through, cycle through other ones. Oracle for me was like, whoa, like, that's one of the main guys, guys. Like, that's, he's not supposed to die. Like, he's part of the main group. He's part of the party. Like, I, you know, you can take off Mossman and Roboto and throw in, you know, Ram Man and Stratos or something and it's fine. We still have enough characters. But, like, when mm-hmm. they killed off Orko and then they buried him and I'm like... Well, I mean, they do find ways to kind of bring back Mossman through, you know, Preternia, because that's where he goes, and that's where we re-meet Adam, um, not He-Man, but Adam in Preternia, so they kind of bring them back. We also get a lot of, I think their other thing to do, because they knew people were going to flip out that, hey, He-Man's not here because they killed him in the first episode, and now we're going to get five episodes or however many episodes without He-Man. So they went out of their way to do all these flashbacks where they can show He-Man and Tila interacting or different things. And it got He-Man more screen time. It added more action and battles and things like that. We see them, you know, interacting with Merman before they actually do in this timeline, et cetera. So what did you feel about um, any of those flashbacks? Or Mike, you can also comment on any of the deaths you didn't get to talk about. Orko dying. Well, I loved everything they did with Orko in this Uh because they – showed what a bumbling magician he is. They also showed that he actually can grow and learn without a PSA at the end of the episode. Sometimes I feel that I am not appreciated. They showed his his trollin roots kind of a little bit. And as far as the flashbacks go, again, that's how storytelling is done today in most things, especially when you kill the main character in the Mm -hmm. first episode. The way you're going to get the main character in the show is to do a flashback. But the way the flashbacks are told in these first five episodes is it's giving you story. It's giving you more reasons to like Tila, more reasons to like, you know, she's figuring all this out. She's remembering back to certain points, even when they go to Preternia and she sees Adam and and everything. It's like, Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's adding to the overall story, which is, you don't ever want to take away from the story. You don't just want to put in uh, a Havoc staff just to have it. Right. I, I also think it was the least annoying version of Orko we've ever gotten. Like, it was the most that you could relate to him and not be driven crazy. You know, usually 80s cartoons get the rap of you always have the annoying sidekick, you know, the T-Bob or the Orko <laughs> or whatever. And, like, Orko was not annoying to me at all in this. Like, no, I loved Orko in this. You could easily relate to him. I also think he has the best line in the whole series, or at least the one that hit home for me. Um, I thought this series does a good, very good job of touching on the concept of time and how time passes um, because this series is decades old, right? Like it's a revisiting of a series that happened during our childhood. And for those that are our age now, we are adults, et cetera. We have our own children or whatever the case may be. And Orko makes a comment about, you know, he's talking to Tila when he's kind of sick and worn down when they're first meeting him. And he's like, you know, I had the best times of my life with you. And something about the way he delivered that line and what's going on right there was like a bigger statement about the series as a whole. Like this series, when it was playing in its original time, those for some of us were the best times of our lives when we're kids, when Mm -hmm. we're playing with toys, when we're don't have to worry about anything, but coming home and watching our cartoons, like that line that Orko delivers just resonated with me huge. And it, it just kind of talked about the whole idea that this series is kind of a conceptualization of time passing um, and kind of how that's gone. So I thought that was a great line. I thought Orca was great. Um, any thoughts on any of the other characters that showed up that we didn't get to mention? Cause we get to see hero. We get to see faker. We get to see um, actual, the character gray skull, uh, King gray skull. Um, you know, the, their names are Vicor and Kudak, but the the older version of the sorceress that we do get a, to see in one of the infilmation, right, Mike? That we mm-hmm. saw her um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So we get to see those. We get to see Strider right off the bat. He man's riding Strider. 
So, Mike, what was what did you think about some of these other characters kind of at least being addressed or shown? I like that they were done with it. And I have to say that Griffin Newman as Orko, that line you just mentioned, mm-hmm. it's like Shades of Lou Scheimer. It really yeah. is. It really is going back to what we've already had. And, you know, throwing in the other characters, again, it's great. It's It's done well. It's not just... This was my ultimate fear with this show because Kevin Smith is the showrunner. Hey kids, look, it's Mark Hamill. Applause. That was my ultimate fear before I like, after I saw one of the first trailers, I was kind of okay with it. Like that it was just going to be fan service. You mean? Like, yeah. Like it was just going to be, Hey, guess what? Like, like they were going to beat you over the head with the homages, with the characters, with the, this, with the fact that they even get one dar in here. I mean, Mr. Wonder Bread He-Man, like, that was awesome. All The way they've put this together, these first five... And Scareglow, I forgot Scareglow. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Uh, we've never seen, to my knowledge, no. we've never seen Scareglow in animation. He's no. only always been in toys or in the comics or right. whatever. So having that was awesome. Again, dealing with heaven and hell, with preternia and subternia. The only thing, even though they were more so making subternia hell versus what was done in 2002, mm-hmm. the only thing I'm missing is um, oh, who are the ra- what are the races, Kev? Uh, I know what you're talking about. That was weird that they so, weren't there. Yeah. So basically, in 2002, there were uh, it was. Buzz Off's people, uh, the, the Andrenids, and oh fuck! Anyway, well, two underground. Places. Right, right, right. Basically, yeah. it was it was Gary Chalk as a leader of one, and Richard Newman as basically Optimus Prime and Rhinox were lead voices of the lead characters of each of these races who were at the war Caligars and the, the Caligars and the yeah yeah yeah. Anyway, the point is is. I know they couldn't have done that here, but I still wish we would have seen that. But I love the fact that we have Scareglow in animation for the first time. And the fact that we have a story that is basically telling you, you have to go to the worst place in order to, you have to go to your worst place before you can come back and be what you were. It's all kinds of interesting subtext and interesting storyline of how they tell the story. And Kevin Smith is, is not one to shy away from going against anybody. Yeah, I'm just right. dogma. I mean, dogma was a <laughs> slap in the face at religion, which is fine. Whatever, it was funny. I loved it. But it. But my point is, is they've not only taken the IP characters of He Man and the Masters of the Universe and given us new things with them. They've told a story in these five short episodes that is. Very well done. And the last thing before I can let Steve get back in here, Mike, you know, this is what we begged for throughout all of Filmation. We're like, give us more of the history. Give us more of, you know, King Grayskull. Give us more of what the backstory is, what the relationships are. And this series does that. Like, so there's no way I can hate on this for doing what I've been begging other series to do. Exactly. Um, so then we we go we go to subternia we go to preternia preternia gives us you know the hero and king grayskull vicor kudak and um adam who are all dead mossman you know all these characters that have earned the afterlife of being in paradise basically um versus those that don't and so we get to see them all kind of in a group they go on this hunt which is kind of an interesting thing um and then we learn that you know adam's the one that did not choose the the larger form he did not choose to stay as he-man he's there as adam whereas everybody else is their bulky you know strong version so that's kind of interesting and then we get adam deciding to go back with the group to try to help even though he knows by doing so, he one character says you may not be able to come back. One character says you will not be able to come back. So we don't know exactly how that works, but uh, there's a chance that he's never going to be able to go back to this paradise, and he's and he's going to take that chance. Steve, that leads us to the ending cliffhanger, which is basically we killed He-Man in the first episode. He comes back in this last one, back to Eternia, and then Skeletor kills him again. Yeah, I, I thought the twist on how they did that, because um, that left an, another conundrum, because not only was he killed as Adam before he could finally utter all the words, um, 
but Skeletor was just biding his time in the staff. Of right, Evil which is Lynn. crazy. And and just waiting for that moment, like eh, I'm just I'm just in you know in in hibernation, waiting for enough magic. So like he probably was just draining it while everybody else was suffering. Look at my face, child. It has furnished for me a lonely life in which none would have me as a man. So then let me be a god by the power of Grayskull. And master of the universe. And then he takes the sword and becomes Skelegod. <laughs> Which I don't know about the look of Skelegod. It's a little bit crazy, but like Well the and the funny thing about that is is they're like in the embargo, they're like, don't tell anybody about Skelegod, but the toys out on the, the toys, toys out on again. That's what I was saying last episode. So, yeah, it, it makes no damn sense. Like I understand embargoes. Trust me, I get it. But it's, but it's right. like it's it's like hold. You know, if if you're gonna have something monumental like this, hold the toy until after the show. Right, right, right. So my thought is this. Obviously, we don't know where it's gonna go from here because that's kind of how it ends. And, you know, he's, he raises the sword of power, becomes Skelegod, says, you know, I have the power and I am the master of the universe. And they do the cool little animation thing where he's like superimposed or whatever, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but, but I feel like they've almost drawn themselves into a corner because you already pissed everybody off probably by killing He-Man in the original first part of this. Mm-hmm. he's gone in a way even though he's in flashbacks and even though we see him in preternia etc so he's still a part of the show but it's like okay we kind of killed him off you bring him back you stab him and either you have three options your first option is that he doesn't really die because somebody with magic now saves him which i think has to be what they do because the only other options are either he is dead again and dead for good which would piss off everybody or he's dead and you bring him back to life a second time, which <laughs> seems like a weird thing to do. So like, I'm assuming somebody's going to save him before he dies, but it, that's I, the cliffhanger we're left with. I don't know. I am not sure. I have no clue what they are going to do in episode six through 10. I am excited to learn and find out what they right. do. I, like, I, after watching this, I was like, Okay, that's hmm. that's part one, and that's uh huh. Okay, it would have been so easy for them to bring like <clears throat> He Man's back. You let Skeletor out of the thing, and then the cliffhanger is now we have our good guys and our bad guys again, and they're going to battle in the second part. But they completely flipped the script the second, second time. Like you weren't expecting He Man to die once. You definitely weren't expecting him to die twice. <laughs> I mean, so again, here's the thing with putting action figures and merchandise out before seeing what actually happens in the show. It's much like I, I think I mentioned this on um, one of the more recent HTTF episodes that we released when they were, when we were talking about um, Mirage from War for Cybertron, Siege, Earthrise, all that. When they released the toy with him with a Decepticon symbol on it, and everybody was like, oh, oh shit. Mirage is a Decepticon. What's going on here? Kind of thing. It's the same thing here with Skelegod. Like, what's going on? How is this happening? What are we going to do? And I think, personally, we now live in an age where seasons are either split up or seasons are short seasons, where we get 13 episodes or less. Mm -hmm. So far, as far as we know, this series is only going to be 10 episodes. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
it may be 10 episodes and then it doesn't get a second season or whatever. I don't know what Mattel and Netflix and everybody else is going to do. I personally wish we had all 10 right now because of the fact that you have the toys already showing this character. But but nobody knows what the hell is the deal. But they've also got this little other conundrum and that I can't say in this episode, but there's another franchise where certain figures that have been released play no part whatsoever right. <laughs> yeah, in right. the entire series. And yet and, they have them released and people are like, those are going to be cool. when we see them in there. That's right. going to be awesome. And then nothing like there's no payoff. And we already had people with this one that bought like that got completely sold on the fact that it was He-Man instead of Faker. Which anybody with a brain should have been able to figure that out, but like people were already like kind of thrown off by stuff that they put out promotionally with this one. So, yeah, um, I wanted to have a chance to go through just some you know final notes and stuff. I have some character talk that I'd like to get to just real quickly, and then a little bit of the dialogue that I appreciated, and then I have a couple nitpicks, so we can go through those as well. But um, we already talked about Queen Marlene and King Randor. I wasn't a huge fan of them. But um, I do like the fact that Marlena kind of knew because that kind of, like Mike said, works. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk real quickly because they do two things with uh, both Tila and Eva Lynn, which is they allow them to take their um, helmets, crowns, etc. off and see their hair, which is something I don't feel like we ever got to do. Tila with long hair, Eva Lynn with long hair, and then Tila cuts it off and goes with like a, a shorter hairstyle, um, which is always different. I it was like um a light bulb moment when Tila let her hair down mm-hmm. because I was like who knew that that was all it took for her not to be looking like a character I hated throughout all of filmation. <laughs> as soon as she had long hair, I'm like, oh, you don't look like a bitch anymore. <laughs> like, well, because I, in filmation she was. Uh, like naggy she was like i didn't i wasn't a fan of her character i liked her fine in 2002 but like i thought she looked amazing with long hair and i thought she looked good with the short hair afterwards i know people are gonna freak out about them changing her hair but yeah i thought it was cool on the evil inside really quick people are more mm-hmm. freaked out that it's long and not short because we did get the reveal of evil in with short That's hair true. in 2002 and she gives up her helmet at one point. She leaves it at Orko's uh, yep, grave. At his so grave. That was cool. Um, the other thing, character-wise, and then I'll let you guys talk a little bit if you had anything else. Um, I think this is the best Beastman we've ever gotten. Um, the most competent one, anyway. Yeah, because I like the fact that he's competent. I like the fact that he's kind of a badass. So I, I love Beastman in this. And then we also, uh, we were talking about Oracle before. I forgot to say that the thing that they threw in about his real name being Oracle. Um, so mm-hmm. I thought that was a kind of a neat little clever thing to do. I don't think that's been ever talked about before in the franchise. Um, no. so Mike, what did you think about those things? Anything else character wise you wanted to bring up? I really like the characterization with Tila and Andra. Like they are the kick-ass team. They are the ones that are going to help each other, bring the best out of each other. Uh, with Orko, like you said, no. Oracle has never been been a thing to my knowledge. It was his just name was Orco. I mean, you know, yeah. it, it is what it is. Uh, I love, love what they did with Evil Inn. She's not yep. just she is evil. And, and, I, and I love how they even did this. Like <clears throat> she I think it's I think it's Tila or or or, or it's probably Orco. Can I call you Lynn? No. <laughs> you cannot and and then later later in the in the in the show she says oh yeah i added the evil part later so again that that that. layers to her kid the layers to her character again we now live in a world where character development and story development and continuity is king and i love that i think that's great Uh, it's just yeah i and Andra has a line too where she's like, So we're supposed to be following the person whose name is Evil Lynn? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I love that because it's like never mentioned in the original series. Nobody ever like yeah. understands that. And it's like they, they call that out immediately. So that was kind of a fun thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve, anything else character wise that you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, I mean, I was just kind of 
enjoying the the changes and the transformations of the various characters as the yeah. series progressed because you never got a lot of that just the the evolution and the the, the characterization changes that that were made in this compared mm-hmm. to the original stuff you, it just stuff that wasn't really a part of the storyline so it didn't matter whereas here it's kind of thrown in there for like little bits of added uh right added elements for the story and for the characters so that it's not just growing for a a set storyline. Yep. I agree with that. Um, In the last episode, I mentioned some things about some dialogue that I thought was paying homage to the fact that there's a lot of cheesy stuff in the filmation series, but they didn't go so far to make fun of it. Um, One of those things was Mike, you'll appreciate a couple of these probably, but at one point they talk about uh, carrying a Skeletor around in her closet instead of (laughs) skeleton in the closets. Um, Yeah, that was funny. With Triclops, there was a line that said, pity we don't see eye to eye. <laughs> so <laughs> that's great. Um, I also thought it, they, they, a couple of more Kevin Smith-like lines. There's a, they, they, they find a way to say three Marlenas. Um, like the song three Marlenas in the beginning. Cause that's uh, the, queen, yeah. the queen's name. That was mm-hmm. funny. The most Kevin Smith line in the whole thing though. And I'm glad there wasn't more of this, but at one point they literally say no glove, no love. Like. I could. I was like, "Are you really throwing sex jokes in here?" Like this is I, this is why <laughs> I'm glad certain showrunners are only just showrunner in name, producer in name. I don't know if like, he wrote that line. He might not. I, I, I don't know. But and again, as I mentioned last episode, and I think I mentioned earlier in this episode, that was my fear going in with Kevin Smith attached. Kevin Smith like me and like a lot of other people when they want to do projects or when they are asked to do projects they want to make it their vision they want to make Mm -hmm. it their style and i'm so glad (laughs) so glad that they did not turn tila and adam into veronica and dante i'm 37 (laughs) like so glad that was not a thing they did get the no glove, no love line in there, though. Um, three last things I like before I get into the nitpicks. Um, number one, I thought great display of Skeletor and Evelyn's magic. Um, I thought they did a better job than they have in the past of really showing what their powers are and kind of what their abilities are. I thought that was cool. I thought it was clever that never have we ever asked ourselves what would happen if He-Man, while in He-Man form, held up the sword and said the magic words. Like, how did that never cross any of our minds? Like, what happens if he does it when he's already He-Man? So I thought it was cool that they addressed that. Um, and then what we were kind of alluding to earlier, Mike, the Tila still gets that close to learning who her mother is and gets interrupted. Like so. I said, I love the path that they are taking her down. I love the way that they are telling the story with her by taking everything over the last 40 years that has been done with her and combining it in interesting ways. And I'll say one thing about the split of five episodes and five episodes. You get just enough with Tila here, enough Mm -hmm. mystery with it between her and man at arms and sorceress and all of that and everything else. Whereas I'm hoping in the next one, we see, more of that and more of that revelation kind of thing. No pun intended. Uh, yeah, no, it was done very well. And it also is a way that there, you know, that there's fans involved or somebody that really likes the series involved somewhere because they're picking up things that were never finished in the original series or that didn't get to be resolved. And they're addressing those things. So we never got to see that storyline finished. So it's unfinished business and I'm glad they're addressing it. Um, some quick nitpicks. You were the first champion? No wonder they call the place Castle Grayskull. When the elders first cast the illusion to hide the Hall of Wisdom, they named it Castle Grayskull to honor me. But if you've ever seen the castle, you know it's a dubious honor at best. Somehow Skeletor learned about Grayskull all of a sudden. Like, they don't set that up as well, very well at all. Like, he's there, and he's like, I know that this is just a facade, and I'm going to stab my thing and show the true vision. Like, we saw 40 years worth of him not knowing that, so for him to just know that immediately was weird. Mm -hmm. There was, like, horde bots. I don't know why, because Hordak's not here. And when did Skeletor get foot soldiers? Like, that was literally like the turtles foot soldiers. Like all of a sudden he has this army of like weird things that, that really never existed in the original. Um, 
was there a wolf gate in the original mike not to my knowledge okay um oh i forgot to mention at one point i thought trap jaw died but then he shows up later so <laughs> yeah um also andra should not know roboto's abilities because at one point she's like activate your advanced talent uh i can't say that word all of a sudden tele- telemetry whatever uh, oh whatever she advanced- says yeah telemetry. telemetry um she's like telemetry, activate yeah. that like how do you know he has that power you just met him like a day ago um I don't remember the Thundercats lair being in He-Man, but uh, it showed up here. And the last thing was uh, Man-at-Arms gun there at the end that, like, he literally, like, moves it from left to right and somehow, like, destroys 20 vehicles. <laughs> like, what? That was a little far-fetched. I don't yeah, know what was... kind of gun he had, but he just took out, like, massive vehicles with it. <laughs> like, that's not how lasers work. Although they worked underwater in this series, too. <laughs> And it's funny because they're like the guy with the underwater lasers. I'm like, well, at least you addressed the fact that that was weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the only reason, but, and I, I don't know what's going on with the toy line. I don't know if they're going to put Horde Troopers in uh, either Origins or Revelations toy line or whatever. I do know that there is a Horde Trooper Funko Pop, I believe, or it's coming or it's whatever. I think I've seen that. I can't find it here on the app right now, but I don't know what, maybe it's just, again, it's, it's what I said earlier about them throwing the homages in, but not beating us over the head with a havoc staff with Mm -hmm. them. Like it's there. Maybe we can like, if they get a second season, if they get another 10 episode pickup, maybe they'll. Yeah. Since it's all about story and character and tying back into the last 40 years, Maybe they'll bring in Shira and the Horde and Hordak and all of this God, and all of awesome. that. Okay, so really quickly, this is just speculation on on all of our parts. Who do you guys think could voice Hordak well in comparison to Mark Hamill as Skeletor? Oof, I'd have to do some thinking on that. that that's <laughs> a hard one. Um, I will tell you though that, like, I, I, if they could somehow bring Hordag, if they could somehow bring Shield, there's lots of characters they haven't touched. Obviously, if if I had a wish list, the three characters I would want to see are Hordak, Shira, and Zodak. Um, I, I was surprised Zodak wasn't in this one, um, but because he, he's right up the alley, whenever they talk about the council and whatever they're talking about, you know, the sorceress, Zodak's usually there, and he's such a pow- powerful character that I'm surprised he wasn't there. I was also a little surprised they didn't work Stratos into this. But it just leaves other things to show up here in the second part. So I'm hoping that we get some cool other characters that show up. But I'd have to get back to you on the voice work. That, that, that'd be an interesting one. Any other uh, questions or wish list or what you're looking forward to with the second part before we get out of here? Um, as the rest of the internet freaks out that they killed my He-Man and it's Tila now in the Masters of the Universe. Nope. <laughs> Mike? No, I think I'm good. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Yes. I, I think that people are go- people who are like us, and like I said, my reaction, like the fact that Kevin Smith is the showrunner, other than the fact of what he did to hype it up, that's my problem, is how it was hyped up. The fact that he's the showrunner, and like I already said, thank God they didn't have him on full writing because whatever. Like that, ma- like when I was watching this, I felt like this was 1983 in 2023, even though it's not 40 years yet for the cartoon, but it just felt like this is what, if filmation was still around today, like today's capabilities, say, say powerhouse is the new filmation kind of thing. Like this is what we've been wanting for 40 fucking years. And I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I know people are freaking out because of everything they did, and those people should go hide in caves. No, those people should watch it and learn what actually happens. That's what they should do. It's good. If you give it a chance, I think it's good, and I can't wait to see what they do with it in the second part. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for listening to us here on the Powers of Grayskull series. If you'd like to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show, there are several ways to do so. Visit the website, geekcastradio.com, where you can listen to and comment on all of our past content and the current content as well. Here are all the ways you can listen to us nowadays if you're on the go. Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and any other podcasting client you choose to use. Follow us on Twitter at GeekCast Radio is the network. Twitter at Pow of Grayskull is the show. I am at TFG and Mike. Kev, what's your Twitter? At Optimus Solo. Steve? 
at SCP-21. Become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash geekcast radio network. We hope you enjoyed the Grayskull goodness today, and don't forget to join us in our next adventure when we will be bringing you some sort of powers of Grayskull content. I have no idea what the hell we're doing next. For now, I am... part of this. Whenever that's released, I mean, could be October 28th, could be November 27th, who knows. Uh, For now, I am TFG and Mike with... Optimus Solo. Steve Megatron. By the power and for the honor of Grayskull, we have the power. (laughs) 